0: Oh,
1: that's a super, super!
2: Oh, that's a brilliant for the play by Mahé! Oh my goodness, man, what a shot! 100 goals, 7.
1: 100 goals, the
2: to the Uninformed Handball Hour. Yes. Thank you Nets out for sorting that out. Oh, what's that music going on in the background? <laughs> Beautiful. Welcome to the Uninformed Handball Hour. We're live in Cologne at Woo! the Lanxess Arena on the eve of the EHF Final Four. It feels like this has been a long time coming for us as a podcast as well. We've been knocking around for a while, talking a lot about the EHF Champions League and the EHF Final Four, but here we finally got an invite. And uh, it's nice to be here.
3: It is really nice to be here, and uh, it's really nice to be in the the main hotel. Really, the the Radisson, where all the players are staying, where all the coaches are. You really, you can walk around. You you really get into the atmosphere of the whole tournament. There's posters of all the players in the lifts where you're getting the food. The hotel's nice, Chris, isn't
2: it? It's a beautiful hotel, the Radisson Blue, and uh, my personal experience working at the HF Final Four is that I spent a lot of years in the Ebus, which is right next door, and finally have gotten the upgrade to the Radisson Blue, which is a nice thing, uh, after all these years of hard work, to finally be a commentator at the HF Final Four men to get that upgrade to the Radisson Blue. (laughs) Alex, where are you staying?
3: So I, I think I got really lucky. It is my first time at Cologne. And I've got a beautiful room uh, on the second floor of the Radisson overlooking the lobby. It's, it's a great place. Um, Brian. Brian, you've, uh, uh, where are you staying?
2: Well, Brian, Brian well, first of I'm also, also in a hotel. Brian, you've been working—you've uh, been working at the HF Final Four for quite a while, right? And uh, you arguably have the toughest job of all three of us over the course of the weekend. So I'm sure that is reflected in your hotel. I went to check in in the Radisson on day one, and they were like, "Sorry, sir, we, didn't, we can't find
0: your name on the list. I think you're down the road." So I'm still in Ebus for some reason. But look, I'm here. I'm here. And thanks for opening the show with the hotel commentary. That's <laughs> top professionalism. I
2: wasn't, I wasn't expecting that either, but Alex, Alex is going. Alex oh, yeah. promised one thing this weekend as we do three podcasts in three days is that this is where the real uh, hot takes are going to be. This is where there the, are yeah, the, 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 no holes barred in terms of comments.
3: Yeah, exactly. There's, there's going to be a lot of nice comments, nice uh, Interviews of players, tactics, talks, you know, there, there's a lot of content, but I think the handball hour is for hot takes. So it is. Let's, let's talk about the, the well, teams, just, maybe.
0: Just one second. We have a few comments coming in here. We have Creeperhead2018, maybe I'll be here all night long as well, but I will lurk. Bit strange, I'll be honest, but uh, he's going to be lurking all night. So it's good to, know, good, to, good to know you're here. Anonymous Zebra, I can't sleep anyway because of the excitement. Well, you're not in the Ibis, so <laughs> I won't be sleeping either.
2: And, uh, and uh, <laughs> groups, though, and Badlova says no sound!
3: So, what's, g- what's going on there, lads? Oh, we got, got, got a few Fs. And... Yeah, I think that's for
2: the, uh, the grade we're getting so far with no sound. Yeah. Uh, lads, are you going to tell us when the sound is up again? And then we can... Are we just
3: going to...
2: I'm not sure if we can keep going properly. But uh, someone say, fully embracing the video part of the podcast. <laughs> but this, Of the but love this podcast. we just a
0: dance.
3: <laughs> ah.
2: <laughs> and we're back live after some small technical faults. A little audio drop out there. But at the start of this 40, uh, 54 hour live streaming, uh, you know, you can have little blips along the way. I'm Chris O'Reilly. Beside me is. Alex Kudash. And over on the far side is. Brian Campion and I don't think we introduced ourselves properly but all of you know who we are anyway we're world famous podcasters Uh, I think we we should jump into the handball pretty quickly now because we we did have some time to kill but now that time has disappeared so let's uh let's talk about the handball shall we this weekend
3: yeah so uh who do we have playing this weekend Chris (laughs) that's a very
2: that's a very good question Alex in semi-final one we have Telekom Veszprém HC from Hungary against Womza Viva Kielce from Poland. And in semi-final two, we have the two most recent champions, Tia Kiel against Barca. That was Germany and Spain in there.
0: So, boys, what is your... I mean, on the outside, when we come to tournaments like this, it's everyone's talking about who's the favourite. And people love to talk about it for whatever reason. But we know from past final four events doesn't really matter that much in fact you might be better off being the underdog but if you had to put them in the order now from favorite to underdog where would you put them maybe start with alex
3: i think there's there's a clear underdog which usually means that they're going to win the competition but uh, with Kiel losing peckler and Sagason, basically they're two best players um it it's very difficult to see them kind of maintaining the performance for two days, two games without two crucial players. So I I think they're at the bottom for me, then it gets difficult. (laughs) I think in an obvious sort of way, um, Veszprem would sit in that uh, third place or third favourites because it's a bit of a surprise that they're here. you know, can you really say that it's a surprise that Vesperma in are in Cologne because they have an amazing squad, they have an amazing team, but they've had a bit of turnover. And um, therefore, I think they're they're in that third place. Then for me, it gets very difficult between Kielsa and Barcelona. From a betting point of view, Barca are, are quite heavy favourites, actually. Right. Um, then Kielsa are a second favourite, So that's... I think that's the obvious choice, but I actually have Kielsa as my favourite and I've actually put my accreditation on the Kielsa jersey behind here to state that they're going to be the team that I think are going to win it. So,
0: But to be fair, you are a big Kielsa fanboy, and you always have been. is that right, <laughs> is that fair to say?
3: Well, I do have a Kielsa jersey, yeah. I do have a Kielsa jersey By and it. I had a fantastic conversation with Berta Servas uh, this morning. So. Uh, every oh. time I talk to Bertus, I, I get more and more inspired.
0: Off the record stuff, though. Off the record, completely yeah, yeah.
3: right.
2: Too professional. It's funny. <laughs> it's funny that Alex said I had a conversation. All three of us were there. <laughs> yeah, all, them all, them? All, all Alex could, could see was Bertus <laughs> looking into his eyes. Me and Bert.
3: Me yeah, and Bert, Bert having a chat. What about you, Chris? Who's your Who's your favourite? I mean,
2: yeah, it's kind. It's kind of boring uh, to say exactly the same. So I'm going to have to come up with a new. List, but I think in terms of form this season, that's exactly how I would put it. I think there is a bit of a toss up there between Kielce and Barca. And Bert, as you call him, even said that uh, he reckons on paper Barca are the big favorites. It does surprise me that, on like betting wise, that Barca are the favorites. Also, because you know, the curse of Cologne and no team ever retaining the title. But we also heard a little bit about that from one of our guests that you'll hear later in the podcast. I, yeah, I would say really no, no controversy here that it is Kielce, top, Barca, second, Vesbrem, third, Kiel, fourth. But I don't think that matters very much at the moment because the two semifinals, which we're going to go into in a bit more depth, are really two games that you can imagine could go both ways. And we talked about this in depth for the women's final four a couple of weeks ago, that there was one of those games you could really see go either way. One of them was kind of like, you really, everything had to go really wrong for one team to uh, to be knocked out. Here, it's, uh, you wouldn't be surprised if every team like plays a good game, but could still get knocked out in the semi-final.
0: Yeah, so I think maybe we'll start with a team that there's a lot of excitement around them this season i think the way they're playing especially and that's kielsa and now we know alex you're the the kielsa fanboy do you want to walk us through kielsa is kielsa one of your teams
3: yeah i'll i'll, I'll talk through kielsa and uh, give it give it a bit of an overview of their season as a whole as well um, we have seen kielsa really take it to the next level this season and that's probably a bit of a surprise because two years ago The club nearly folded and uh, they lost a couple of players, they lost their main sponsor and there was this kind of dramatic end looming for Kielsa and they seemed to kind of revitalize a little bit and accelerate this year at a rate that I wasn't quite expecting. Um, And they really accelerated right from the start. And that's that's a trend that I saw, so uh, looking at their league performance, they had a perfect season in Poland. They won every single game and including uh, an amazing, amazing last game against Wiesla Plotsk to decide the title, which had seven red cards. Um, and in the end, it was uh, Kielce coming out on top by two goals, even though Wiesla Plotsk were um, probably the better team for a lot of that. Um, then they actually lost in the uh, Polish Cup, um, which let's say, I think people aren't too stressed about I think their focus is on the Champions League. So how have they done in the Champions League? They have, they started off incredibly. They, they were the most informed team at the very start.
0: A Dynamo game, yeah?
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> You'd be careful with your words. Oh, right. I, I
3: should be careful. They lost their first game to Dynamo, <laughs> then uh, disaster loomed. Since then? Since then, they, they really accelerated. Um, and I think the most impressive performances in the group were their two wins against Barcelona. They first beat them away 32-30 at the Palo de Blagana. an incredible performance. Then they went back to Kielsa and beat them again 29-27, really, really impressive. But the interesting part is in the second half of the group stage, they had losses against Porto, they had a loss against PSG and they had a loss against Fresh Prem, who they're playing in the semi So. There seemed to be a bit of them losing a bit of steam in the group stage, but then they still won Group B uh, on 20 points level with Barcelona, but they won uh, due to those two performances I just talked about. Um, sailed through to the quarterfinal where they won 61-50 against Montpellier. And I just really sailed into this final four. Um, what's impressed me the most so far this season is just the speed that they played at. Um, they play at the fastest pace out of the four teams in uh, the final four. Um, it feels like there's some music in the background that's distracting me, but... <laughs>
2: well, Alex, get away. Focus on the handball. The but groove the... can come later.
3: <laughs> the dancing is it's coming. Um, but the, the speed that they play at, um, they counter-attack, they break teams and the most impressive win actually in the group stage I mentioned those two Barca wins but they smashed PSG 38-33 and that was a perfect synchronization of everything that goes right for Kielsa when the passes are crisp, when Alex Dushibayev is taking over at the right time when their big defenders like two-meter thirteen Tomasz Kabbalah is smashing the opposition team, it just it turns into this symphony, um, which is really impressive.
2: Beautiful words, beautiful words there. Can I just ask you, like, what is it about Kielce that actually has made them so different? Because there is the energy and all that, right? But. What like On the tactical side of things, the way they approach an attack in particular, the defense seems very like every single person has a distinct role in the team in defense, but what is it about the attack that is different for you?
3: Um, I, I think the attack is, it, it, it all surrounds Alex Dushbaev, for me. And I think maybe they have given him, he's always been their lead player, but I think they've given him the keys to this team and he decides when to accelerate, when to decelerate, and he controls the play. Usually that's up to a playmaker, um, but Alex Dushbaev does it from right back and he, he plays a bit of playmaker as well. Um, they have a nice balance where they have some really big shooters, so players like Kulesh, who maybe hasn't been firing. Sitchko. Uh, at the highest level, but Sichko is Actually, the best uh, long-range shooter in the competition this year. So it's it's pretty insane. He has a um, an average shooting distance on his uh, long shots of 9.3 meters. Wow. So he's, this. That's average. And out of those shots from that average distance, he's scoring 61%. That's that's an insane level. So. They have this combination of uh, tricky players like Alex Dushbayev and big powerhouses, um, which is great. Then even on the wings, you have quite classic wingers like Morito and uh, Good Johnson. But then you have Dillnahi just doing crazy stuff. <laughs> <laughs>
2: you caught yourself there. Well done. Hold well on, it's too early. It's not the watershed yet. Yeah. yeah. The, the dirty talk comes after 9 p.m. Well, I think you've often said it before, Alex. When Alex Dushabayev
0: isn't playing well this Kielsa team isn't the same team at all do you think Kielsa rely more on Alex Dushibayev than other teams rely on some of their star players for example Vesper maybe not as much on Nenadich, for example
3: yeah I think they're uh, it's a really good question because I think they're very reliant on uh, Dushibayev but yeah I think a a lot of teams have one of those players who is kind of make or break I think for Barca that player is Di uh, for Vesprem, that player is Nenadic, who is on the extremes. He's going to have a 100% game or he's going to have a 30% game. Um, for Kiel, I think they have a, a bigger squad, but losing Sagasin they're going to have to figure out who exactly that player is. Um, again, for Kielsa, I think they, as I said, they have a bit of a differentiation in the styles of play. So Alex Dushebaev is in control, but sometimes they can just they can just take that long shot, which is really nice, or Dil Nahi will just come in from uh, the back. And I think, I haven't even mentioned him, but talent, Dushebaev, is an incredible coach. The, the thought process, the preparation for each game is meticulous with him. And they have been preparing for this Final Four for the last month. In any game they play, they're looking to develop tactics that, are go- that they're going to use in the Final Four. So I think because of that, if Alex Dushbaez is having a-, a bad game, I think they'll have something ready.
0: And Busto Seb in the comments says uh, Thomas Gibala has to be unleashed too.
3: I agree. Uh, I-, I kind of agree with that because he, um, he primarily plays defence but he is a giant, giant man who can just pop up and score and sometimes you need that. Maybe it, it's difficult because they have Sitchko there who's performed at a really good level. Kulesh is also there ahead of Gabala in that um, attack. So
0: We know that you need a keeper as well to perform. Andy Wolf, he seems very good late on in the season. Is he the kind of guy to show up here now and actually Win the tournament for them because you need. You're going to need a massive performance from a keeper, and we've seen him in past events where he hasn't really shown up on the big stage. Been very good at certain parts of the season, but when crunch time comes along, kind of fades.
3: I think um, Wolf has had a real resurgence uh, this season. So he started off the season, and maybe actually for the last couple of seasons, he just hasn't been the same level. Um, the big bad Wolf hasn't <laughs> quite. um You know come through enough but especially in the last maybe two or three months we've just seen an exceptional player come out Mm. the the andy wolf from uh 2016 the the player that players when they're jumping up they're just terrified because he's two meters tall he's stepping out his leg is above his head and they just have nowhere to go yeah That's happening more and more. We saw that against Wiesla Plotsk. He won them the championship. He had one of the greatest goalkeeping games this season uh, out of any goalkeeper in that game at the important time. So it's. I'm expecting big things from Andy Wolf.
0: Here's something very uninformed now, and it's only coming to my head right now. You're going to have to help me on this one, but I do remember a part of the season where Andy Wolf had an absolute, absolutely terrible game, and I remember in the press conference afterwards he was sitting with talent, and talent was was basically laying into him in the press conference. Saying, we can't do much when the keeper only saves one goal or one shot. And do you remember that? I can't remember. Or
3: yeah, yeah. Which I, game
0: it was? I can't remember which I, game it was exactly, but
3: I don't remember which game it was, but um, I think it was completely warranted that that kind of those kind of comments. Were warranted because Andy Wolf's performances just very slowly declined mm. over the last season and a half. Um, but there was a resurgence, and I, I think he's back. Um, and he's also playing. He, he he claimed the goalkeeper shirt because it was actually Karnetsky the yeah. second goalkeeper, was the primary goalkeeper at the start of the season. And uh, over the last couple of months, Andy Wolf is playing 60 minutes. And I think he needs that. He needs that continuity. It's the reason why he left Kiel, uh, because he didn't want to share time with Landy. He needs the 60 minutes to really get into the game and when he gets that, he uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, he can do it.
0: I just think Talent runs such a tight ship as well. And when I've been at Kielsa games before, you're backstage with some of the players, especially after the game, they're like little boys and their father's congratulating them and they're all kind of gathering around. That, that
2: is the case of two of the players quite literally though.
0: Yeah, well, yes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but I was thinking about Dylan Nahid the time I saw him backstage. Yeah. You know,
0: and he gave him a kick up the arse. <laughs> but yeah, do you know what would be amazing actually? If we could like, sit down with Kielsa's best player and like Alex Dushabayev and just talk to him. Oh, would that be amazing imagine. if he just had the ability to do
2: that?
3: That would be amazing. That, that would be really nice. Um,
2: maybe we have that, do we? Yeah, maybe. Did we do that this afternoon? This is terrible. What a terrible segue. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, set it up nicely, but we didn't we do that. Well, we, uh, we couldn't catch we it. Didn't we didn't take it catch. home. We didn't take it home. Uh, have we got that uh, interview ready to go? Okay, so actually, Alex and I did have the pleasure in the media call this afternoon to talk to Alex Dushabayev, and the man behind the camera was Brian Campion. So we we're all involved, and here is Alex. So we're here with Alex Dushabaev from Kielce. Alex, welcome, and uh, day before the Final four. Uh, first of all I want to ask you about uh, your shoulder because you had a little break in January to help yourself, I guess, be ready for the second half of the season. Do you feel like a, a new man after that in comparison to the last few seasons?
1: Yeah, for sure. Maybe not exactly like a new man, but uh, really I feel much better. I'm so happy about this because uh, sometimes it's difficult when you have not a long break and you cannot recover good yourself. And you play not injured, but uh, you cannot uh, do your 100%. You cannot give your max. It's a little bit a bad feeling about yourself, about uh, you are complaining about your team and everything, but now I feel very good, I'm so happy to be here and uh, try to do my best.
3: But it seems like it's not only you that's full of uh, new energy, but actually Kielsa this season seemed like you just have this extra energy, a lot of passion in the games, a lot of speed. Um, Is there any changes that have happened that have led to that?
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I'm very agree. I agree because I think really this season we we proved so far ourselves that we are confident to to be here between the best and uh, to to fight for uh, for everything and that we can beat everyone. But uh, we will see now in final four because we know it's uh, it's always difficult. I think uh, the only reason is that. Uh, we trust more in ourselves we we do our best, of course, uh, the supporters are very important for us, and I think that does give us a little bit extra. but I'm pretty sure that uh, we still are not in our max, and that this weekend we can give a little bit more
2: <laughs> uh, with the, with the semi-final between Kielce and Vesprem there's always the talk of the recent games here in Cologne over the last few years it's it's almost like the game everyone is hoping to see for the semi-final or the final because of what happened in the last few years of course 2019 was a bad result in the semi-final but uh, people almost forget about that when they think of Kielce and Vestrem, and it's all about what happened in 2016. You weren't there at the time with the team, but I'm sure you were watching and watching Daddy uh, <laughs> coach the team to that, that miraculous victory. I guess that's something that still maybe comes up every now and again, like in the team. And, and first of all, where were you when you were watching that game?
1: No, uh, of course, uh, I threw the game, I was in Skopje at this moment, I was really, I think uh, I was like like everyone, like every spectator there, that uh, we are just thinking about when this final will finish because it was done. But uh, after it was a moment that I don't know what happened, it was just one goal, another, another, just think like, well is so far but maybe who knows and after it it was growing this this feeling and it was really amazing i think uh, i don't know if it's still in the mind of uh westprem uh, players or or the fans for sure yes but uh, of course this is a different team but i think the our feeling that uh, this feeling that have this team in this moment i really think that this team also have it that uh, it doesn't matter what will be the situation. We will give 100% till the end of the game. Maybe, of course, I don't know if it will happen or not. But I'm sure that this team will fight till the end. That's the only that I know 100% sure. Yeah,
2: ideally, you don't want to be. Ideally, you don't want to be in a situation like that to get out in the first place. We <laughs> will see. <laughs>
3: and uh, I don't think there's many players left in the Kielsa team from that 2016 victory, but of course uh, you're a Champions League champion yourself um, with Vardar uh, previously, so is that something that you kind of try to carry over to the team, you know, try to uh, inspire them how to win as a, as a champion yourself?
1: Mm, really it 's not like inspire it 's uh, I try to to make him uh, be confident about themselves because I think really uh, of course I think we are very very daunting, but also that gives us a, a think that maybe other teams are not that ready, but they are young guys that are very hungry that want a lot to be to be here to prove themselves that uh, they are ready to be here between the best and they can prove them that uh, they are at this moment right now the best and that i think is very important for a team that uh, they they want to win a lot maybe of course something uh, it can be focus and control the emotion it have to be difficult but i'm sure that this hungry uh, team will do everything to win
2: now you played this first team already twice this season and two really interesting games you won at home they won at home of course at the final four and a game like this is completely different right there's not i guess not so much when it comes to actual results that can be taken over but what what from the preparation for this game uh, did you take from those two matches earlier this season
1: Mm yeah no I'm agree so I think it's, this time is completely different but uh, it's also true that uh, I think the the level is... it's Pretty the same. I think uh, it's always very equal, very tough matches because I think Vesprem is one of the best teams. So we also and I think that's why always uh, no one have uh, long victories. I think always is uh, short results. It's uh, difficult to take some big advantage in the game because uh, we are very equal but that's because I think uh, it will depend just uh, this game will be just done at the end of the game because I think uh, Till the last minute, we, we, we does not know who, who's going to win because so always games between us is very
3: close. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I think close games are pretty good for you, right? <laughs> <laughs> you, you, like a, you like a close game. Um, I suppose it's, we've seen you come out as one of the best clutch performers in uh, handball. You know, when it comes down to the last seconds, the last minutes, you want the ball. <laughs> You usually score the goal. Um, so, what what goes through your mind in those moments um, at the very end of a game when it's very close?
1: Really, just yes, to score and to defend the action, just yes, to win. But uh, no, it's true that uh, I have the com- I feel really the confidence of my teammates, uh, or of the coaches. I think uh, that's important for me to take the responsibility in these moments. But. Uh, uh i i don't I don't need to prove uh, that I can do it. I just want to win the the game at the end and that's the most important i think of course uh, I will take the responsibility if the action comes to me but uh I'm also agree if uh, someone else can uh, can do this i'm I'm really confident about my teammates and I know that uh, it doesn't matter who that uh, I'm sure that uh, if he's alone, I will give him the ball <laughs>
2: So it's, not, it's not a case of you not trusting anyone else to shoot. It's just, no, 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 I, only I can do this. Uh, but it must be also in terms of, like, mental preparation or, like, uh, let's say, building up your psychology, thinking away from the games, knowing that you've done it must be something you go back to, to, like, remind yourself, okay, I can, I can do this if it gets to this situation. It, if you think back to these, like, game winners over the years or these final minutes where you keep... Taking responsibility. Is there one game that has come almost like a, a favorite for you there, or one that always jumps into your mind?
1: No, really. I uh, really I try to don't think about this. I, I think uh, I just try to focus in the game, and almost of course, uh, when the when these moments come, I just think uh, now we have to do is uh, we have to score, we have to. Now it's our change, so we have to to make goal or to defend this action, but uh, really before uh, mentally I I doesn't try to prepare myself, like uh, like what uh, what can be, I just try to focus and uh, what I can do during the game and nothing else. Well,
2: probably a healthier way to
1: think about it. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, for sure, because I think if I will think too much about this it will be bad. That's fair. <laughs>
3: Yeah, I think uh, I probably would be thinking about my game winners every day, trying to hype (laughs) myself up. So uh, I've I've had plenty of game losses, so uh, that's why I'm not at the Final Four. (laughs) But you said that uh, it's not all about goals for you. You also like the assists. And uh, I want to ask you a question. First, uh, do you know what a Quint double is? (laughs) What, what, what? <laughs> you probably won't know so this is uh, Wait, do
2: you, well first of all you know what a double double is yeah, yeah, in basketball right in basketball. so sure. we've come up with uh, we tried to come up with a handball version of this ah. called a quint double so in this okay, case right. it's two fives so five goals five assists and we're thinking maybe we're trying to think if that was an equivalent or maybe it should be six and six but either way you're very good at it I mean you have great stats for both <laughs> for both goals and assists, particularly in, in the big games, right?
3: Yeah, so the two games that you played against Basham this season, uh, you got a quinched double in both. So you got six and five and seven and seven. So um, are we going to expect another one?
1: <laughs> uh, I will try, I will try for sure. No, 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 I like, I like because I think this uh, these kind of things always help. I think it's good for Humboldt that we make some, we take the good things of another sport and I'm very agreed that uh, also in Humboldt it's very important we have t- not to look just at the end of the game who scored that many goals. Also it's very important uh, the role that you play for the team to help with assists, to help with good defense, to, to make some, some good things for the, for the team. Uh, we always try just to think about the guy that scores more or, or is best, but I think uh, the best guy for the team is the, the guy that helps most in the team. And that's all. It's not the, just about these goals or almost the assist. I think it's the full, the, the complete of the game. Well,
2: we have uh, other journalists hovering around here, ready to get you, because we are in the media call at the moment, so we've taken plenty of your time. Thank you so much. Uh, enjoy the weekend as much as you can. And we look forward to seeing you in action tomorrow. Thank you, Alex.
0: Thank you, thank you very yeah. much. I will try, I will try. <laughs> I will try to enjoy it. I will say, I will say
1: you'll
2: So
0: there you have it. Alex Dushubaya from Kielce. And it's all about the team, but at the same time, Alex, he loved your
3: little idea there. He loved the double. He loved the quint double, and we are really forcing it. But we're going to make it a thing. Um, I think it is important. I think he's an absolute star. Um, actually, Dushbaev has uh, 67 goals this season and 50 assists. So he's, uh, you know, he, he likes to keep it. Quite Pretty uh, level in the goals and assists, and I'm expecting a bit of both uh, over this weekend and maybe a few more assists because now we've put it into his head.
0: Uh, <laughs> hipster Janus is asking there in the chat, How do I enter the giveaway, Alex? How do I do
3: that? I think you write uh, enter with an exclamation point at the start. Uh, that seems to be what everyone else is doing, so hipster Janus. Get on it. Get Chance on it.
2: to win a match ball. Which is nice. And uh, hopefully we can reveal. I think it's over soon. So if you're listening this back, well, you just have to go onto Twitch at any case, any point over the next two days. But if you're watching live, you still have time. Uh, thank you. Ah, there he is. And uh, we will announce the winner of that shortly. Uh, there's a few minutes left. How many, Ned said? Four minutes left Four minutes to cause... enter. Uh, what were we talking about? Couldn't Handball, be easier. Right?
0: Couldn't be easier. Oh, so Kale's okay, are done and dusted now. I think we've covered them. And who are they
2: playing? They're playing against Telecom Vesprem. These boys H-C. here. HC. HC for Handball Club, I believe. And uh, Telecom Vesprem. They've had, well, the season they've had, I think, can be summed up almost in the first game they played, the first big game of the season at home against PSG, where basically it looked like, oh, it's good old Vesprem again. You know, the, the start of the season, new coach, this is not going to go very well. And then they came flying back uh, towards the end of the game and won it out of nowhere and they've had a, a season much like that for the most part it's been very up and down they've uh, they haven't been unbeatable but that's not what the season was about for them it was all about bringing in a new coach Momir and seeing where they could go with it you know they didn't look at their team as being you know full of stars they'd lost a couple of players they didn't bring in too many players really of note and they, they just tried to build towards the future. And it looked, again, in around February time, so just after the, 20, uh, just after the turn of the year and Euro 2022, that it was going to be a bit of a tricky second half of the season for them. The first game at home against Porto, they drew that one. And then a week later, losing to Barca, which you can do. But there was two games in a row at the beginning of the year where they didn't manage to pick up a victory. But then they went on this, this streak, uh, they beat, uh, bounce back to beat Chielce the next week and then PSG in the final game of the uh, of the round. The loss against Barca kind of uh, basically put their chances of a top two finish to bed. They ended up finishing just behind in third place but that was actually I think a really good thing for them. Uh, they went into the knockout rounds, the playoff round first of all uh, against Vardar and wrapped that up in the first leg. and. Uh, looked super confident in that, and they went into the quarter-final then against Alborg, I think in many people's, including my own eyes, as a little bit of an underdog. Of course, Alborg came into it with a few players short, but Vesprem really, well, they quite literally turned up the heat. (laughs) I was (laughs) uh, there for that. (laughs) We were both there for that. Yeah, yeah, we were both there for that, and uh, yeah, quite literally turned up the heat, turned off the AC, had one of the most raucous crowds I'd ever heard in my life in handball and they tore Alborg apart they basically won the game in that first leg which remember we spoke to Yahia Omar uh, just beforehand and he was looking forward to playing that first leg at home he reckoned that was the the chance for them to really you know make their mark and make sure they had the job done in the first game that's what they did
0: and just after the game he said to us this is how I grew up playing handball in this kind of heat yeah. so this suited me this suited me perfectly so that was <laughs> yeah saw. we wanted to
2: put some uh, put some pressure on those Scandi boys and then we spoke <laughs> to Andy Nielsen then he was like that was way too hot <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was way too hot so th- uh,
3: 36 degrees uh, on Saturday is going to suit Fresh Prem that'll, that'll uh, suit
2: them yeah um, yeah but then you know they've had their setbacks since then and you know the for most of twenty twenty two, since that, that early loss to Barça and the draw with Porto, they've looked really solid. Yes, they lost the second leg against Alborg, but that was just about, you know, getting through. And they were looking really good in the league as well. They'd beaten Seged in the cup final, they'd beaten Seged in a regular league game, and they'd beaten Seged in the first leg of the final as well, away from home. But then <laughs> ended up losing on the away goals rule in the second leg of that final at home with uh, as we mentioned on the podcast that was released yesterday budget banhidi miklos rosta uh, scoring the winning goal on the on the counter attack in 59 minutes 58 seconds which honestly was uh, i think a bit of a heartbreaker for them we talked earlier about whether the loss to potsk would have affected kielce probably not with the loss to, to Seged. I think from from seeing some of the guys here and speaking to some people from the club, it, it stings just a little bit, but not in a bad way, but in a way that they're looking to really, you know, bounce back this weekend. And they come into this weekend, probably for the first time, with a reasonable amount of expectation. Usually Vesprem come here with an unreasonable amount of expectation, as history has shown, but this time, they come into this uh, looking to maybe enjoy the weekend somewhat, and that could be the uh, the golden ingredient for them.
0: Yeah, I mean, when I was in Vestrem earlier in the season, it was said to me with people who work for the club that it was something they sat down early in the season and talked about because this expectation that they have that they're going to make it to Cologne every season, and, and they have rightly, rightfully so in the past, but it was this season the first time they said, Cologne maybe isn't our... It's not... We're not going to die on that hill it's not going to be the end of us if we don't make it there and it's it, it was kind of like there's a big refresh or refreshment phase i think in West in, in from and i think you can really feel it and i think momi illic is obviously at the core of that And i think he's been really huge in kind of being a, a role model for a lot of the investment players I haven't been a legend of the club himself and i think one player for me particularly will be Nenadic. Yeah. i think he's a kind of player who in the past bit wild still a bit wild We've seen some Very of things wild. this season, but probably having one of the best seasons we've seen of him at that level. And he think re- he respects Mourielic, and I think he needs that as a player, someone who, who can really hammer him.
2: He'll always be wild, but yeah, it is the respect. And it, it's, you know, having a coach who is maybe a bit like an uncle or an older brother. And, you know, he can be wild on the court, but at least he's, he's going to behave himself and he's going to do it for the team. He's not like, you know, you remember the the Berlin days and he was just like <laughs> doing whatever the hell he wants you know yeah. and uh, this is definitely not the case with him now maybe a little bit older a little bit wiser as well and uh, but he's such an asset and when we talk in the heads to head we have to talk about what he did three years ago in this mm. very fixture
0: I want to get a quick poll uh, from the chat here so so where are Vesper going to finish number one two or three just come with the numbers one two three or four of course oh, sorry,
3: four,
0: <laughs> one two three or four see who's listening out there
3: yeah uh, there was a a good question that came in um and it was about how do you get uh, new teams into the final four is it all about money and i think that's something that uh has been the case we saw all come in um with a bit of money injection ah, but
2: they did it before the money
3: okay yeah, yeah before the money so what i was going to say it it takes i think what it takes is a winning mentality it takes a winning um history to get to the final four mm-hmm. so you have to believe that you belong there to get there and Vesprem are kind of a juxtaposition within that because they have gotten there many times they belong at the final four they have been in the final four seven times and they've lost every single time. So, uh,
0: we also have a nice spread of votes there. We've, well, I've, I've, it's gone up too far now. I can't see it anymore. But we had four, three, two, one there at one stage. All of them, <laughs> even, the, of them. Number even wow. the number four. Even the number four. I almost forgot about myself.
3: <laughs> You're <were> saying, Alex? <laughs> um, yeah. So, so how does that impact Vash from coming in? And uh, to add to that. Um, do you think... You, you, Brian, you said that the expectation that Cologne is not the be-all and end-all mm-hmm. at the start of the season. But now that they've lost the Hungarian League, they won the Hungarian Cup against Zeged, which is uh, still a huge win for them. But, but the League is everything. The League opinion. is everything. Um, so they've lost the League. Do you feel that there's just... That the pressure's turned up uh, on Veszpram again?
2: I don't think so. I think they... they c- it's done now I mean they yes they lost the league but it's a completely different thing this weekend I think it's an added motivation if they need any but I don't think it makes a makes a difference uh, in terms of you know pressure on them but of course there's going to be pressure we're not saying there's no pressure (laughs) they're here I mean they're they're at this amazing arena there's going to be 20,000 people here uh, tomorrow and Sunday there's going to be the pressure but I think this team have put themselves in a mindset as a whole that they're going to be able to deal with it mm. I think
0: we talked about goalkeepers with Kielce as well, mm. I think it's fair to say probably with, Chup- with Chupara and uh, Corrales, maybe the best goalkeeping pair at the Final Four, and it seems like this season they've been doing a bit of a tag team when one wasn't playing well, it seems like Corrales was having the better Champions League season, but then seemingly in, in, in some cup games and league games, uh, Chupara was the man they called upon Best goalkeeping pair at the Final Four?
2: I think so Yeah, and I think that's going to be a key thing if we're already like sliding into the, you know, the key head-to-head areas here, you know, the goalkeeper battle is going to be massive, as it always is, and generally when you win the HF Final Four, the goalkeepers have a huge part to play in it. Vesprem have the, the fortunate situation where they have two goalkeepers where one of them is going to have a good game almost certainly mm. we don't know which one it's going to be we don't know whether which one is going to start we don't know which one is going to excel but someone is going to play well at some point uh, in each game and in that case they do have uh, a bit of a advantage over kelt's duo where we both have and when you look at the stats over the season like it's fairly even overall um it is like 32 percent for corrales 27 uh or 25 percent chupara and then the two kielsa keepers are like 29 and 27 so it evens up a little yep. bit but i think these two goalkeepers have the the higher ceiling if you're going to bet your house on it alex who would you bet to have a big weekend
0: this weekend
3: i i, I would disagree about the higher ceiling i think andy wolf In this matchup has the higher ceiling. Just ignore my question, fine. Okay. But (laughs) (laughs) that was the question I thought I was answering. Yeah, yeah, you weren't. (laughs) I was just just busy disagreeing.
0: (laughs) I just I was like I were sitting (laughs) on that for about five minutes. No, I said if you're gonna bet your house on it, who's gonna have a bigger weekend this weekend, would it be Chupara or Corrales?
3: I am gonna say that Corrales is gonna have a better weekend, but Chupara is going to come in for 20 minutes at some stage during the weekend. And do a job. And he's going to do a job. He's going to scare his opponents. Again, Chupara is one of those huge dudes that just closes up space for mm. shooters and actually terrifies shooters. I think um, that's something to consider here as well. When goalkeepers start making a couple of saves, they start coming out, and as someone like Chupara, who's shutting down. He's more of a he'll make the big saves more often. Mm. Uh, Corrales will make the safe save most of the time. Um, but when that happens, there's a huge mentality switch. So I hope that Momir Illich actually uses Japara to do that. Um, but there's also a, a chance that Chapara comes in and goes like zero saves from eight shots and sits down for the rest of the weekend. Yeah. But I, I'm betting on Japara, he's been in great form. <laughs>
0: do, you know, do you know one thing I'm really kind of sick of here actually is people talking about this other oh, rematch from 2016 and, and they played in 2019 already they at the final four and they had that revenge already so i think we maybe should drop that narrative a little bit I, i'm not really sure the players are still thinking about that are they
2: oh yeah well uh, andy nielsen definitely is it's like haunting his dreams every but day they had the revenge already yeah but it's different isn't it a semi-final and uh, well, i think this at, th- at this point yeah <laughs> Screw the semi-finals. Let's get to the final. Uh, I think the the big thing to take away from 2016 is not that result itself, but the kind of the aura of this team can never win. Do you think it's the until Four. they win it, and, then, and beat Kilsall on gone. route? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It is. It's it's that. It's their own little Cologne curse.
0: I think it's probably fair to say, like as well, people just love that memory. Like you said with Alex Dushabayev in mm-hmm. the in the interview there. People just that game was just it's one of the most iconic So
2: where you were where were you when you saw that exactly? Thing? Yeah. Where were you? I was uh, doing the live blog on eurohandball.com <laughs> where much like Tom when he was commentating at the time said something along the lines of, Well, that's the end of that game. <laughs>
3: <laughs> where were you, Alex? I think I was just watching it at home. On my own. I wish I had a lovely Twitch stream to interact with mm. during that time, but I didn't. True pro.
0: Where were you, Brian? <laughs> Remember at all? I think I was at home watching it as well. Yeah, yeah. lonely with no Twitch. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness for Twitch. Yeah,
2: uh, I think uh, it, related to the goalkeeper area. I think it's worth mentioning as well the two defensive teams because you, you talked about uh, Kielsa being a bunch of beasts in the centre block, but Vesprem also are may not be as large. Or Blago Tinczek is massive, but they do have our fan favourite. <laughs> Adrian, shit house, posh, in there. You need to explain that a bit. <laughs> I do because we have we have an awards show at the end of every major international championship, and I feel like it's too early to be cursing here, but shit housing is a is a common sporting term. Anyone on the production team angry with me? No, all oh, good. All right, <laughs> so shit housing is uh, you know it's well Alex, explain shit housing for us.
3: Come on. Shit housing is, it's a special type of uh, breaking the rules. So you're, you're constantly breaking the rules, but you're just over the line or on the line. So you might hit someone and get that elbow up a little bit higher, yeah but you don't quite get the red card for it. You just get the two minutes. It's, it's a special skill to really mess with the other team to throw them off and uh, time wasting hurt is, some people.
2: Time-wasting is a good example of time it as well, but shit. in this case with Adrian
3: Shibosh, it's Getting how, away with it.
2: how he gets away with mm. his brutality. And
3: uh, he... I think that's a good comment there from uh, Groups Throw that uh, Dylan Nahi is, yeah. the, is the latest shithouser. You, you got it exactly right. He flops, uh, he flops a lot, especially that little move where he, on a fast break, he wraps around a, the oh, arm yeah. around a defender and then gets a two-minutes, the old one-two, as you call the it. The
2: old one-two, that's it. And, yeah, so Adrian Shiposh has been a... He's set the standard, I think, in modern handball for for that. But he, alongside Blaj Blagotinchek are an interesting pair of defenders, but they have a lot of players who can play defense as well. They have a lot of players that come in there. And my, my point is that it, in that area, it's gonna be really interesting because you look at the players that are playing like the style of the opposition key attackers, Peter Nanadic on one side, Alex Dushapayev on the other, who love getting involved with the defense and use the defense in their goal scoring and in their penalty uh, earning. So there's going to be a lot of physicality. There's going to be a lot of, like, decisions for those referees to make on the verge of, like, two minutes red card. There's going to be a few people slapped across the face, mm. and uh, it could cause for some interesting decisions. And I'm really looking forward to that. In the final four, there's going to be so many smart plays by the attack and so many, well, not so smart plays by the defenders, like pumped up by this whole atmosphere that, uh, yeah, I'm not, gonna, I'm not saying there's going to be blood, but there's going to be red
0: There's there's someone in the comments here asking are we professional handball players. Um, Did you
2: ever get money for playing handball? I did, yes. Four four or fifty, was it? Four year fifty? Four (laughs) year fifty, exactly. (laughs) And a packet of crisps. uh, About ten years ago.
0: Yeah. Just to give a bit of background, Alex is the line player for people at home. Uh, Chris O'Reilly was... On the bench a lot but when you did play <laughs> you right i was about
2: to use that joke for you left <laughs> no, back the... on the bench oh. yeah i was right back Got on the bench for you.
3: but Got but what's me. brian what's your over under on red cards between kielsa and Feshram? because I, I i i get that feeling as well chris the mm. the crimson tide will go across a couple of players uh during that game so what's your let's say over under two
0: uh, two 2.5 2.5 yeah I had to say that didn't I o-
2: yeah. over under 2.5 will there be more or less than 2.5 uh. red cards you're, you're throwing less, American less. terms at yeah, of West. <laughs> what is this? What oh, podcast
3: is this? I don't you know Have you ever this. made a bet, Chris? Uh, Chris? Brian.
0: <laughs> it's Kevin over there. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, boys. As, lo- as-, as long as we'd love and to there keep There is um, uh, on the, on the screen, uh, Adrian Chipyosh. And also, for anyone in the comments who wants to guess how many two-minute suspensions... Uh, the combination of Blaz Blagatynchek and Adrian Szypoch have this season in the Champions League so throw in a guess to see how many in total between the two of them they have across every game this season can you say that name again please Blaz Blagatinchek.
2: beautiful I will never say it. I'll always just say Blas Just one more thing on this and I think it's particularly relevant in the the semi-final it's important over the weekend of course in terms of the way you use your squad but these are the two teams of the final four that have the fewest different combinations of attack uh, players in attack so 11.1 on average different combinations of players in attack for Vesbrem and 9.8 for Kielce so we're going to see two teams that really focus on certain players in their attack. And I know that Kielce are probably going to throw a couple of curveballs at it. And I'm really interested to see whether Momir Illich and Vesbrem are ready for that and also whether they'll throw something else at them because they've had to, I think, focus a lot more in recent weeks on their challenges where it seems like Kielce, well, we've been told that Kielce have focused very much. On Cologne in the build-up in the last month or so, someone's have to put your handle in the uh, comments, Chris, uh, so
0: that a few people creeping on your Instagram page. <laughs> there you go, <laughs> there you go. Uh, so. But uh,
3: there's some good guesses there. Uh, I think there was uh, 62 minutes. Uh, is that 60 minutes or? 60 cumulative two minutes. minutes is that 120 <laughs> minutes so basically they've missed two full handball games between, between them or uh
2: i think we've got to move on lads. we do we have to move on as long as we'd,
3: we'd
0: love to do the full 54 hours but uh, we should really finish this up uh, so i think look very quickly now the head-to-head how does it how it? you 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 told us about Kelsey you told us about vesprem Strengths and weaknesses very quickly maybe 30 seconds
3: um kielsa's speed uh i think they have the better backcourt shooting, and for me, the key player uh, that we may that might may be under radar a bit, but I think needs to shine for Kielce is uh, Simon Sichko.
2: Mm. Yeah. Uh, for Veszprém, the I think the key thing is they don't rely on any one player in the diamond in the center, in the defense or in goal. So they will be able to find people who can can fill in and perform at the given level, particularly in the backcourt three. I think that's really important for them. And I think that will make the difference for them as well, because I can easily imagine Rasmus Lauga being the match winner, Peter Dananej being the match winner, Yahia Omar, who we haven't even talked about, except for him being in the interview, a potential match winner as well. So there's a lot of players in there that can get the job done for them, and they don't rely on one person to do it. Alex, you're going for Kielsa, I presume?
3: I have Kielsa, yeah.
2: Chris, I go for Vesperm then. I go for Vesperm as well.
3: Oh, so wow. a bit
0: different, yeah. yeah. I, I don't. I just. I like this Vesperm team, and just something. Does Does it? They have a bit of special sauce. I like, of I like for,
2: both teams. I'd like, be happy for. I'd be happy for either of these teams like to win it. Too.
3: I like humble. <laughs> yeah. I love. I love humble. I Which love being in Cologne. So. It's getting hot in here. We need, <laughs> we need to move on. Uh, but there
0: was some comments earlier on about the All Star team. So mm. we're going to watch a very quick video about the All Star Team, and then we're going to give maybe a very quick opinions on the All Star Team because some people are saying Landine shouldn't have been in it. Oh, so but well, let's find out if he
2: was. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody know. To the video. <laughs> So that was the All Star team. And for those of you listening on the podcast who don't have the video, I'll go through it really quickly. And it was uh, the coach, Talent dushabaev from Kielce. Left wing, Vana from Flensburg. Left back, Peter Nanadic from Vesbrem. Center back, Hontan Mahé, who we didn't even talk about from Vesbrem. Uh, right back, Dika Mem from Barca. Right wing, Alex Gomez from Barca. Line player, Camille Shipshack from Paris Saint Germain. Defender, Hendrik Pekular with Kiel who's not playing this weekend unfortunately goalkeeper Nicholas Landine from Kiel and young player Tobias Grundahl from Elverham congratulations in particular to him I see he's in Ibiza at the moment enjoying himself with the Elverham boys so a nice little maybe the, the pints will be on him tonight
3: <laughs> but I think uh, the, the All-Star team was a little bit strange this year because it really felt like a very equal season uh, for a lot of teams and it felt like there was a limited amount of players just completely standing out. Um, you know, we talked about the big players of the final four teams, but they're all right backs. So I think that was the toughest position to pick, and well done to DKMM. And speaking of DKMM, maybe we'll also speak about Barcelona. Yes.
2: And maybe we'll even speak to DKMM. Maybe. <laughs> Who, knows? <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? We be may, great, may
3: be able to speak to him in person. So for I think for a
0: lot of people, Barcelona reigning champions, they're here every single year. Uh, they've they always they've changed their style of handball to a certain extent with the new coach coming in, uh, Ortega. Alex, where do you see them at the moment in
3: terms of form? It's been a really interesting journey for Barcelona this season. Um, having to switch up from a coach like Xavi Pascual, who's been with them for... Just Eternity. He is uh, synonymous with the club. It really, I thought it was a daunting challenge for Carlos Ortega to take. Um, And at the start of the season, it really felt like there was a bit of struggle. You would expect that with a new coach, but um, they started slow. I, I mentioned those two losses against Kielsa. This wasn't quite the same Barcelona team that we've seen just run through. Uh, teams in the past, and I just find it astounding to, for a coach to be—he wasn't sacked, but to leave a club after having a perfect season. So in the 2020-21 season, Barcelona won every single game that year, every game in the league, every game in their various Spanish cups, every game in the Champions League. It was one of the greatest seasons of all time, and then they decided that okay we need a change um and carlos ortega came in with a huge challenge ahead of him but the squad is still there Mm. the players are still there the you know the leaders are all still there so it was just about meshing and when you look at how they've performed this season they have the number one defense in the champions league uh, this season so per 50 attacks they concede 25.5 goals which is uh, an incredible statistic and it's it's quite a classic new coach move so when you come into a team you want to get the defense right Mm. because that is easier to set there's less variations you get the defense right and then you work on attack and we've kind of seen that with barcelona where they only have the eighth best attack in the champions league this season that's Pretty astounding for a team that regularly racked up 40 goals per game in previous seasons. You know, they, they would steamroll teams. This season, they're only scoring 28.5 per 50 possessions, eighth best in the league. And there's a couple of reasons. You know, obviously, a new coach and a coach like Carlos Ortega, who is Spanish. And Spanish coaches are detailed and have a lot of variations and have big changes that's going to take time Um, I I think we've seen that but slowly slowly Barcelona have accelerated through the season and that's been it's been nice to see I still don't think they're in fifth gear I think they're levelling at about third gear Um, so it'll be a really interesting challenge for them to see if they have another gear to go up in this uh,
0: Cologne Final Four and we sat down earlier with the Barcelona big shot, D.K.M. Um, yeah, so should
2: we get straight into it? Let's me. listen to it, shall we? Let's it. Let's watch it. Even
3: thanks for joining us, Tika. Uh, I suppose a good way to start it is to say congratulations on the new contract. And uh, what, what made you commit to Barcelona for the long future? Uh,
4: thank you. Um, I, I I decided to, to stay uh, with Barcelona because uh, I think we have a really good team for for the future. Uh, there is a lot of uh, young players, but good players already with uh, some experience. So it was uh, the perfect uh, the perfect thing for me to 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 stay. And I, and I also want to to be uh, important for the for the club and they, they just uh, show me. Uh, the respect uh, I think I I deserve and uh, so uh, I decided to to stay with them.
2: And this year I think one of the big stories for the team has been the transition uh, of players and the the coach as well with Xavi leaving and Carlos coming in and it feels like that as the season has gone on you become a lot more comfortable. For you personally what do you think are the big changes between the coaches and, and how the team has been working together this year?
4: Uh, I think uh, with uh, Carlos we, we work uh, differently. Uh, we play more faster with um, uh, Xavi. Also because we have uh, more players, yeah. and uh, as you know, they, we play a lot of players play the Olympics game. We were really tired at the beginning of the season. Uh, we we rested just five days, and yeah, we, we just rest we just rest five days, and then we, we, we started the season. And it was really difficult, and also with the, the, all the changes, uh, it was really difficult uh, for us. but I think uh, f- at the end uh, after after the, the European championship, uh, we changed our mind, and uh, the confidence was, the, was, with the coach was better uh, for myself personally. I feel more com- comfortable every time uh, with him uh, but it's, I think it's normal we, we need we need times to to, to make the change the change, the change good and uh, and yeah, I think it was the, 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 the key after the, the champ, uh, championship and after that we play more comfortable, it was more e- easier for us, and uh, we, we show a great uh, handball, I think
2: I remember it. Uh, when you played against Vesprem at home uh, in the group phase, Gonzalo said to me after the game that it was it feels like the team had clicked in attack, like everything really started to come together. Can you tell us a little bit about what exactly clicked in terms of the tactics?
4: Um, uh, as you know, the, the, the Spanish uh, coach the, the, they love the, 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 the details. Uh, also Carlo lo- loved that but uh, I think he let us play more free. So at the beginning of the season, it was like, I don't know, uh, I want something like, I prefer something like, just tell me, uh, do that, that, and I, and I will do it. And uh, it was not the same with him. He, he just let us play, and we were a little bit like uh, losing our, our, our play. And we, did not, we don't play uh, as before, so that was the, the mistake at the beginning. And after that, when we 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 play with more confidence, and we also under, under understand what uh, Carlos wants, and uh, after that uh, we change, we change, and uh, I think we play much better in uh, in attack, uh, but also in defense. Uh, the 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 defense is more aggressive now. Uh, before with Chavi was more, uh, uh, you know, you have to stay on the pass, and it was good also. But Carlos wants to play more aggressive, and I think that that was also a, a big
3: difference for us. And you said you're playing faster now, and uh, before faster. Before before faster, but uh, still in transition. That's uh, that's where you 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 like to play. Uh, That's where you bring the speed. And I think you're probably one of the best transition, second wave, counter attack players in the game today. Can you tell us a little bit of how you approach that? How what goes through your mind as you're running up the court? Um.
4: I think uh yeah with, with the work uh, I really like to play uh, also fast and I and I know that uh I don't know whether the defense is not, is not ready you know sometimes uh, I don't know you're not focused you're you are looking for the the, the, the change or if you are a good a good position so you're not you're not really ready and that's where I'm coming and uh, yeah I, I really like like it and I and I think it's really important for for us and I as a group, I think we improve that also, and personally uh, uh, that's that 's my game. Uh, I can also do a lot of things, but uh, that 's uh, for me the, the the big things and the the big difference between me and uh, uh, other players i think <laughs> uh, i 'm
2: not sure what 's happening there <laughs> uh, let's see if there 's a riot going to break out at some point. Um, Now you come into this weekend uh, as champions and uh, usually in history it's not really uh, a a favourable condition but you've qualified for the final four so I guess kind of the history in that sense doesn't matter so much. But playing for a club like Barca where every season you are expected really to to do something big, having won the title last year, does it give you a bit of a different feeling as a team coming here this season?
4: of course of course it's a different uh, feeling because uh, yeah, last year we 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 didn't we won everything uh everything uh, in the Spanish league but also Champions League and it was uh, a historic season but uh the most important for the club is to be in the final four and after that of course we will see, we will see what happens uh, as you say we we we, we won the the Champions League last year and uh, we know that it's it never happened to win a back-to-back Champions League. But uh, I, I can tell you something that a lot, don't, not a lot of people uh, expect us here in Cologne at the beginning of the season. And uh, here we are and I'm uh, really, really confident about uh, ourselves and uh, try to win uh, uh, this Champions League back-to-back. The first thing is to be, to win tomorrow because if you don't win tomorrow, you cannot uh, be champion. So the focus is on tomorrow, but uh, I, I, we are really confident about this, and it will be really nice for us. For everything uh, happen uh, this season, it will it will be really nice to to win the Champions
3: League. You, you said you had a, a perfect season last year, and you did. Uh, but technically, there was one loss during that year. <laughs> it wasn't last season, it, but yeah. there was one loss in the winter. And that was also against Kiel. Um, so, do you kind of coming into this semi final, is there a bit of a, a revenge feeling for you against Kiel? Uh, per, uh, personally, personally uh,
4: yes, because uh, I was there. And uh, the, the, this lose hurt me a lot because it was my first final. And uh, I think we didn't play uh, our handball on this game, so for myself, yeah. But as a group, I don't think so, because it was not the same group, it was not the same coach. And uh, of course, we, we saw, we saw uh, not a lot of things, but some things about this game. But uh, it was uh, one year ago, everything changed. They changed also, um, not the players, but the, the, the style of, the, of uh, how they play. And we changed the coach, so it's, it's different. But, uh, yeah, personally, it, it will be also a revenge. And, uh, yeah, I will try to do everything to, 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 to win this game tomorrow.
2: Uh, thank you so much for taking a bit of extra time as well. I know it's after the 30 minutes. So, D K M, thank you very much, and uh, good luck this weekend. Thank, thank, you.
0: thank you. Good luck. Bye. So there you have it, DKM. What a lovely, lovely man.
2: How lucky were you we with... Those two guests, the day before the final four, huh?
3: I think we oh. potentially the two best players in the competition left.
2: Yeah, I imagine so. But um, ripe for the bronze medal match on Sunday. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we were talking a lot in the interview about the the good sides of Barcelona. I think it's maybe hard to pin down where their weaknesses are, but I think Alex, you might have a few ideas. You love being negative sometimes.
3: I think. I I love finding something (laughs) something wrong with a team and most of the time it's extremely difficult with Barcelona it's almost impossible Um, but this time around I think they have a couple of weaknesses Uh, one of them is the goalkeeper which is a huge shock because they have Gonzalo Perez de Vargas who has been the best goalkeeper in the competition so far but that's all they have Uh, Maciel has not been at the standard required for them and they'll be getting Emil Nielsen probably next year and that will change things but right now if Paris de Vargas isn't having a top game then Barcelona really struggle at the start of the season it was de Vargas that was actually he was incredible and he was driving them second half of the season his standard dropped a little bit Barca struggled mm. so I think that's a clear weakness I also think that they, they don't really their left back is a weakness for me their left back and playmaking partnership um, obviously Sandridge was injured for a lot of the se- season him coming back and taking over is really big but when you you know when you mention someone like Ngesan Langaro Makic Fantastic players, all of them. They're, they're they're really good players. Here we go. But. but but are they, you know, are they the best players for best in the world? I don't think so. Makuch maybe not yet anyway. No, but he not could yet. be Ex- exactly. Yeah. I think Makuch has incredible potential mm. and will be up there. But uh, on
0: random rocket.
3: on random rocket. Great stat as well though um, from Julian Rux about and Hannibal Lytx uh, that. Engelson has the second highest usage rate in the players left in the competition. You've lost me. So, this is when you're on the court.
2: <laughs> you lost me at handball player. So, so <laughs>
3: when you're on the court, so this isn't cumulative, this is just per minute on the court. Yeah. How many of the team's possessions do you use? So, Engelson uses 25.6% of Barca's possessions when he's on the court, which means he shoots, he fin- finishes an attack ah, okay. every fourth shot when he's on the court. Of course, he's not taking the most shots and taking the most goals because he doesn't play 60 minutes. But when he's on the court, he's just there for a round of rocket.
0: Yeah. So when we were growing up in Ireland, you call him a glory hunter.
3: Glory, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Can you, Brian, can you guess who is the number one usage? You can definitely guess this. Yeah, this is a... TKM, no? No, no, out of any player left in neneditch yep. neneditch is number one at 28 percent. and there he plays 60 minutes so <laughs> that's a true glory hunter he uses up all the celebrations sometimes as well running yeah.
0: back but uh Ves CK in the comments says that uh, tfv fans you've no you T H V T H W T H W fans you have no chance without peckler and sagasen that's maybe a good segue chris is Bill. that true
2: Can I just say before this, it's getting to a point now as we edge towards the start of the opening party and uh, so many people flooding in here, which is great. Except my two viewpoints are when looking at you is one place where people keep going over to look at what's going on. And then looking at you, Alex, where there's there's someone here who keeps looking over at me. So it's quite distracting, but I like it. It's good. It's really fun. I'm sure the novelty will wear off, but at the moment I really like it. And uh, the question was, do uh, THW Keel have no chance? Yes, handball. Of course they have a chance, Brian. This is the EHF Final Four. They are the outsiders, which means they're probably going to win this weekend.
0: But it is a huge shame. In terms of uh, being oh, a neutral yeah. handball fan, you want Sagerson there. You want Peckler there. And then especially with Bjarke de coming in, seeing him playing with Sagerson again would have been, oh! would have been poetry. Yeah. But that's
2: such an unfortunate turn of events. It is sad. Uh Peckler first of all that was a terrible injury for him a guy who when they won the final four Christmas in Cologne he was the MVP of that weekend he uh, was
3: phenomenal who decided that MVP Brian what I think you didn't you uh, pick that MVP for the final four in uh predicted
0: predicted I predicted yeah I didn't pick it I was in charge of picking out. That's not my, in my... Predicted yeah, predicted, yeah. Predicted, yeah, predicted. You said picked, but I was... Over. Sorry, sorry. I'm not that high picked, up in
3: the Picked out. Of... Picked out that he would be the... Ah, yes. the...
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm right sometimes. And then Saugerson, <laughs> who was brilliant in the second half of the season. And that, that very much talks about, you know, Kiel's second half of the season, where they've been putting away these really important, really tight games. The German Cup final, quarterfinal of the Champions League against PSG, which was kind of the opposite of what happened to them at the start of the season. And I think I'm going to go quickly through here, like Kiel's journey of the season, mm-hmm. because in the first half of that year, there was Montpellier, Aalborg, Sege. their three biggest rivals in the group. He lost to all of them and lost to all of them in match of the week as well. These huge occasions for the home side in every case. Montpellier were like down in the dumps, missing six or seven players, beat Kiel. Aalborg at home bit down in the dumps beat Kiel Seged opened the new arena beat Kiel so Kiel seemed to like have no appetite in the first half of the season for these big occasions but that really and they were losing games in the Bundesliga ended up finishing second there uh, to Magdeburg who ran away with it but They did have a battle on for second place in the league against Fuxa and against Flensburg. And they had a great end to the season in that sense. They did everything they needed to do in order to finish second. They beat Magdeburg in the German Cup final in what was an amazing game for Sagerson And they beat PSG in the quarterfinal, which was two of the best games of the whole season. But that was, except for that second half of the second leg against PSG where Pekeler was already injured, that was with the full team. And it is a pity that both are not here. I think with that, with them in the squad, they would probably have been, you know, we asked about like the one, two, three, four. I probably would have had them promoted to number two with those two players. Now they are the the rank outsiders in that sense, but it's, it's really close and they do have a great history over Barca in this arena. A perfect history, in fact, two out of two.
3: Who is going to step up? Uh, instead of Sagerson?
2: Well, instead of Sagerson, I had the answer for Peckle already. Uh, instead of Sagerson, well, I think Domingo Dovniak has to be that man. Right? Dovniak, uh, will, he'll play a little bit of left back, a little bit of center back, I think, this weekend, and he's made for these occasions as well. We have to hope that he's you know fully fit and ready to go, but he... You know, you can imagine him having one of these amazing final weekends like he did in Euro 2020, where he basically single-handedly beat Norway in the, in the semi-final, playing an amazing game of defense and attack. Uh, Nikola Bilic might get to play for the first time in 15 years, it feels. It feels <laughs> like he's really been left out. He was really left out in the cold a little bit. And uh, Ed here, who's uh, one of his pals... And actually, Clements, the other producer, was a teammate of his as well. So uh, I'm really not, I'm not preaching to the choir here. <laughs> uh, but Billy was kind of left out in the cold this season. But this is, a, I see at the, the end of the Bundesliga season, he's gotten a few chances now and he's been scoring some goals. So he's going to have to contribute as well. I think it's going to be a real, um, it's going to be a bit of a mishmash in the backcourt for them. You'll, you'll see... Uh, Ryan Kinn playing in right back you'll see Weinhold playing right and centre back I think they'll, ha- they'll do that a few times playing with two lefties in the backcourt so I don't think it's a case besides Dovniak, Dovniak could be the man on both days besides that they're just going to need really good solid performances uh, like Vipers had in the women's final four a couple of weeks ago from everyone in the backcourt mm.
0: What's your good feeling Alex do you think is it fair to put them in fourth position as favourites or do you
3: think we're maybe overestimating Salazar's um, absence? I, I, th- I think it's fair enough. Mm-hmm. Um, any team who loses, I would say their two best players, okay, Landin, Nicholas Landin is probably their, their best player, really, but um, two of their absolutely top players, is any team is going to struggle. But I believe in the Nikola Bilic fairy tale. I believe in it he has played najada's uh, uh wait a second players. i
2: wasn't I, i'm building up <laughs> no, no, nikola here we all
3: heard it it's all on tape no, no. hey nikola villic it's it set up for it yeah. he had a dramatic injury he was ready to become the next star of world handball and like star at the highest level in the what was the european championship where he just raised it to another hmm. level oh yeah oh, the
2: 2020 yeah.
3: 2021 uh, in Austria where he like absolutely raised it then he had an unfortunate injury it brought him down now he has the opportunity to prove that he is the player that we all believed he could be and in the last two games that he has played in the Bundesliga the last two games he scored five goals and then he scored six goals in the last game from six shots so he has the power he has the goals. Does he have the belief? I have the belief. God, I hope you're I, right. I, I mean, I'm going
0: to cut this out, clip this out so hard if you're right about this. <laughs> this. I mean,
2: in that sense, you know, it could be the best thing for him in terms of, uh, you know, his mentality as well. Because mm. we saw when he plays for Austria, even uh, in the last championship, he knew he had to be the guy. Mm. And so in that sense, he stepped up and, and he played well and he scores the goals. For Kiel... You know he's just if he was ever on just needs to look over his shoulder and see Augustguson there just like, "Well, what, what the fuck am I doing here you know <laughs> but now he they need him, they really need him, and that could be really good for him mentally saying right nicola there's no there's no there is no one else it's it's you and that's it and you know I think we have all known from our handball days that even at the lowest level that uh, being Knowing that you're the guy who has to be there and there's going to be no one replacing you or nobody better replacing you, that helps.
0: Yeah. Uh, just we have a few minutes left now, but just before we finish up, I want to ask that one more question to chat. Will Nikola Billick have a big weekend this weekend? Yes or no? Mm. Over, under 5.5? Don't be talking to me like that, Alex.
2: <laughs> I know what you're saying to me. <laughs> Speak to me in English. <laughs> Uh, some other comments here. Nana uh, Sibbison uh, wrote uh, saying her three f- favourite Irish guys of the three that she knows. Nice to see it's you. Standard, to give me? us a ranking. One, two, three. Chris <laughs> Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, God. It's a long weekend. Uh, I mean, it's, uh, it's really filling up nicely here. It's nice to be properly back, it isn't is, it? Yeah. I mean, we've, had a, we've had an EHF Final Four for men every year, but this... Brings me back to 2018, 2019 vibes. The fans are here. It's going to be sold out this weekend. It's just—it's good to be back, isn't it? So, who's going to win it?
0: Is that a question for me or for the comments? Pressure for
3: you. How about Um, we go? Let's go with some predictions. Okay, Uh, and let's start with the semi-finals. So we 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 did say um, our semi-final Mm. number one prediction. So. Barcelona-Kiel. Who's going to win it? Barcelona-Kiel.
0: I'm going to go for a Barcelona-Vestrup final.
3: Chris?
2: I think Barca should win it, yeah. Yeah. Second semi-final.
3: Yeah, they're going to win it. I mean, <laughs> no, I'm happy to yeah, agree on yeah, this. Yeah, I mean, Kiel can win it, but... Uh, Nicola Billick scores eight goals. Kiel lose by seven. <laughs> by the way, we do have a few votes here. We have a lot of yeses
0: coming in for the Nicola Billick thing, by the way. So a lot of yeah. people have a lot of hope yeah. for
2: Nicola. Uh, and uh, Nana wrote, uh, ha, ha, nice. I blushed, which I guess puts me number one. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Two that. and three to be confirmed. Uh, now, I reckon, so we're all saying that Barca so win the second yep. semifinal. And
3: do, do you remember it was in, after the first leg of the quarterfinal? Yeah. What, what did I say? What did Wouldn't you say, Alex? Kielsa Barcelona be an amazing final. So that's that's what I'm going with. Yep. That will be a great final. Ah, that's fantastic. Brilliant. What,
2: whatever happens, there's great stories in this. You know, and that's what I really like about the two semifinals. They are filled with great narratives, and we love great narratives here. And it'll be the same with the final. I won't be I won't be disappointed with any team winning. Like, Barca win it. Amazing transition with a new, new group of players, uh, new coach in there. They've managed to grab a hold of the new system. Kiel win without Saugerson and Pekelaar. That's a miracle. Vesprin win. They break the curse. Kielsa win. It's like, you know, this amazing team full of the great characters. Of the Phoenix, the right. rise of the Phoenix. The club that almost folded a couple of years ago winning. So either way, happy days handball will be the winner oh
0: there we go (laughs) Uh, Mija zero eight two in the comments says THV wins it 21 saves from Landine 9 goals from Dula
2: oh that's a good one who's going to be most valuable goalkeeper top scorer, MVP Hmm. Well, you already said I mean if Bilic scores 8 in the in the semi-final he'll probably score 12 in the bronze medal match
3: (laughs) there you go (laughs) No, for me, uh, top goalkeeper is going to be Andy Wolf. Oops. Well, obviously my microphone doesn't agree, but uh, Andy Wolf as the top goalkeeper, Uh, he's going to have one incredible game, like 18 to 20 saves, uh, and that's good enough. Then top scorer, uh, Dikamem. I think no matter what, he's going to score goals this weekend. Uh, what was the other category MVP MVP can also be the top scorer or the most valuable goalkeeper Alex Dushibayev he's going to get two sexy sixes and two quint doubles Uh, he won't be top scorer but he'll get lots of assists and as we talk to him he's going to get that clutch goal
2: what do you reckon Brian
0: Paris de Vargas top goalkeeper Marito top goal scorer uh, what else was it? MVP. MVP will go for Tikkoman. Oh.
3: What about uh, highest amount of two minutes? Nobody cares how all my
2: <laughs> predictions are. High. Highest two <laughs> minutes?
3: Large <laughs> 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 okay. <laughs> check.
2: Large <laughs> check. Most two minutes. Top scorer will be Peter Donatic. MVP will be Rasmus Lauga best goalkeeper will be Nicholas Landy
3: Rasmus Laoga ooh ooh that's tasty. a saucy one that's that is, a saucy one
2: tasty, don't. that's <laughs> a great story as well <laughs> so I think that's
0: that's our time up for today it is yes we will be back
2: on tomorrow tomorrow <laughs> on tomorrow <laughs> Yeah. and for those of you just listening to the podcast there will be we won't release that one so you have to only watch us live on Twitch the home of handball but we will be and back. also
3: oh everyone who's actually watching on Twitch and here's this insane bass in the Whoa. background. Uh, we are the Uninformed Hamble Hour. We have an Instagram. We've got a Twitter. So good at this. We've got really good content there. You can follow us on every single podcast platform. Acast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Go on there, subscribe. Leave us a review. Why not? If you, if you think we are the three best Irish people you know, Put that in a review. Do it for us. It will help us. Uh, So we'll keep bringing you content through that as well. Lovely. Everyone, see you again tomorrow.